Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio, it's time for the GNFCC 400 Insider. Connect, build, and grow with the Greater North Fulton Chamber of Commerce. Hello and welcome to the GNFCC 400 Insider, the monthly radio show and podcast presented by the Greater North Fulton Chamber. I'm Callie Boatwright, President and CEO of the Greater North Fulton Chamber. Today, we are excited to hear a 2022 legislative wrap-up from Lauren Freilich. Lauren is a principal with the newly formed Freilich Bozeman Public Affairs. Welcome, Lauren. Thanks, Callie. Happy to be here. We are thrilled to have you as well. Now, House and Senate lawmakers adjourned signed-eye around midnight after considering hundreds of bills following a very long legislative session that ended on April 4th. I know it was a really crazy year. A difficult floor and committee meeting schedule kept lawmakers busy for several months. So, Lauren, I assume you and your team was were uh, also very, very busy during that time. We were. I always tell my family I'm I'm living at the Capitol um, during January through April, and I'll come home to eat every now and again. <laughs> That's nice. Well, at least you got it all in that very compact time period. Although this year was a little bit longer. Um, from the perspective of how long they actually uh, went forward. So um, I want to start by just telling you congratulations on your new company, Freilich Boseman Public Affairs. Um, If you don't mind, I always like to start out with hearing a little bit about you personally, your background, and what led to this great career in public affairs and politics. Well, I joke that I was dropped on... um my head as a baby. And for some reason, I've always (laughs) liked politics and always been drawn to it. Don't really know why. Uh, My family was not very politically uh, engaged. Um, I did have an uncle who was the sheriff of the county where I grew up my pretty much my whole life. And so um, I uh, was that here in Georgia? That was in Manual County. Yes. Great. And so we did do some um, campaigning from him for him when I was a child growing up. But as of, you know, um, teenager, I volunteered on every campaign that I could just to, for whatever reason, I wanted to be politically active. So I'd go door to door for our members of Congress or our state uh, legislators. So, um, and then, you know, went on to college at UGA and learned uh, about lobbyists and thought, oh, I want to be a part of the process and some way help make a difference. Um, but I don't really want to run for office. And so being a lobbyist was a way to do that. And so I thought that public affairs was the right path for me. Um after college, I went on to work on numerous campaigns for various people running on the local level or the statewide or congressional levels and doing political fundraising for different candidates. And then from there, went on to my first lobbying job at the Georgia Chamber of Commerce. And so that was a great place to um, get started because it gave me exposure to so many different policy areas and, and issues that I got to work on there. So, um, And I think that's where we met the first is. time when you were uh, at the Georgia Chamber. So that's that's it a great was. way to get plugged in. Yes. And um, got a great wealth of knowledge and met so many wonderful people in a great network through that organization. Um, and then recently, as of um, August of 2021, started Freilich Bozeman Public Affairs. And so it's been a, a goal and of interest of mine to have my own firm. And so um, John Bozeman, my business partner, and I uh, set out to start our new firm, and we also started Roll Call Public Affairs. Um, and so we are helping bring tools and resources to our clients who are the business community to help them better engage and better navigate the political times that we're in. 
it sounds like we have a lot in common as a chamber. We do the very same thing. So that's awesome. Well, I am super excited to have you with us today and be able just to to share with our listeners a little bit more about the legislative session and maybe a little peek into what we expect to be coming in the coming year, um, as it is a very exciting year. So let's look back. Um, what, in your opinion, of course, how does this year's legislative session compare to, to previous years? And were there, in fact, any bills that you think are going to really make a lasting impact to the state of Georgia, either way, positive or negative? Yeah, um, great question. So in terms of comparing to previous years, this year did uh, differentiate because it was uh, a year following the redistricting process. And so as most of your listeners probably know, every 10 years uh, we go through the census process and gather up how many people are living in different places. And then the legislature comes back in for a special redistricting session, which they did in November of 2021 to help, um, redraw the line. So the state uh, House and Senate district, your local districts, your uh, congressional districts, because each of those districts are based on population. And so as population in our metropolitan areas grow, and Georgia being one of the fastest growing states in the country, uh, we had a lot of growth. And so a lot of those districts had to change. And so um, you're, and then in, in places in rural Georgia, they actually, you know, some places lost population or did not grow very much. And so in those districts, they have to pick up more geography to therefore pick up more people, whereas in your metropolitan areas, they had to uh, reduce their geographic size uh, to stay within that population threshold. And so that that's always a contentious process. Um, you know, it's not just a, a partisan process. It's also sometimes, you know, uh, pitting one member of the same party maybe against their colleague who's just a district over of the same party uh, because of how that population has either shrunk or grown, they may have to pick up parts of that person's district. Sure, and the so, line moves, absolutely. Exactly. So uh, a lot of enemies are created quickly during that process. And so it's a tough process. And so that carried over into the regular session because they ended in November going through that process and passing the maps. But then they came back and still um, had local maps and things to address. And so um, it, it just was, you know, a lot of... Um, um, a lot of tension over those issues. That makes sense. A lot of uh, tension and I would imagine angst over what the, the upcoming uh, election season would look like with the newly drawn lines exactly, as well. Exactly, because now they have to run in their new district. So just a few months later, you know, you're you're running in this new area where you may not have lived or, or worked in or known people before. So. Right. No, that makes all the sense in the world. Um, and so probably this year then compared to, to previous, at least because this process, as you mentioned, is only every 10 years. Um, a, a little more contentious than previous year's sessions, maybe a little more relaxed in yeah. the past. Yes. Well, very good. So um, as a, a chamber, obviously, we're very, very focused on business-related bills. So I wanted to ask what you thought was the most significant business-related bill that lawmakers were um, were maybe not able to agree or to get passed. 
because I know there was a lot of discussion about a, a lot of things down uh, during the the four months down there. But what were your thoughts on business related bills? Yeah, so um, there are always a number of things that don't cross the finish line and, and get discussed. Um, you know, this year was heavy uh, on tax issues and tax matters, and so um, there were a number of bills that the business community was advocating on extending the sunset because most of the tax credits or exemptions that are currently in law in Georgia have a sunset date, meaning, you know, a date certain that they will go away. And so the legislature has to vote to extend those um, exemptions and timeframes. And so um, there were a number of bills this year that they did get an extension, but not to the level we were hoping of. As you know, Callie, with your work that you do with all the businesses, you know, businesses like to see certainty. And so businesses are planning not for just one or two years out, but for five or 10 or 20 years out. And so they look at making financial investments based on those incentives. And, you know, in the Chamber of Commerce and Economic Development world that we're in, um, everybody's competing all, all of our surrounding cities and surrounding states with incentives and it's just a part of the game and um, a lot of people don't like it or they think well you know we don't we don't have to do that Georgia is already the number one place to do business and um, obviously you know Georgia is very prosperous but a lot of that is because of the incentives that we have had that have um, helped grow businesses here keep businesses here and bring in new businesses and so um, there were there were a number of bills dealing with the high tech tax exemption um, and data centers and things of that nature that uh, we wanted to see you know a longer time period set on those sunsets. Um, while they you know did get extended, um, there were changes made to them also that changed the amount that a business would have to pay into those. And so um, some of those things were things that you know we would have liked to have seen them go further. And I know that probably the most popular that everyone knows the film industry, right? So that's the one when, when, you know, folks think of tax incentives and the fact that we've seen such tremendous growth in that, that film industry in Georgia to the point where, gosh, you know, a lot of times we're actually doing more by, by dollar than really anywhere else, including LA at at some point. Um, So I know that this is a huge deal. I Mm -hmm. mean, this is a big piece of, of, why we we give these exemptions um and of course being here in north fulton in a very high-tech corridor um this is is very important to our members as well so that's absolutely that's that's definitely one that that i can think of um so you and i both serve on the regional business coalition and uh you have actually lobbied on behalf of that group for many years um can you maybe talk and tell our listeners a little bit about rbc regional business coalition and how all of the chambers work together in metro atlanta to really be a more uh cohesive voice of business Yes, absolutely. It's a great group. And um, as you said, it's made up of 16 of the Metro Atlanta area chambers of commerce. And so this organization is kind of an umbrella organization that all of those chambers can come together on, no matter if you're on, you know, the sort the north side um, of the metro area or the south side, um, wherever you may be in the metropolitan area, but you can come together under this organization and we can all advocate on things that we can all agree on because it's um, things that are, are going to be good for the whole region and this one thing is good for one area or one part of the region you know we know it will be good for another and so those areas that we focus on are transportation water 
air quality and economic development. And so uh, we use those as our guiding principles to help us pick and choose which matters to advocate on. But um, it's, yeah, it's a great group that meets uh, every other month throughout the year and focuses on those policy areas. And um, then during the legislative session, we help advocate on any legislation that comes up that may impact those areas. And you're always an excellent resource for those 16 chambers as well. So we, we thank you for that. So let's talk about the Mental Health Parity Act. What, what, tell me about it. I don't know enough about this particular bill. Yeah. So this bill um, is definitely a bill that is going to have a lasting impact on Georgia. And it was really something that was very important to the Speaker of the House. And the Speaker doesn't engage um, typically on uh, bills directly, but this is one that he did decide, you know, to engage in. It was it became an issue that really was a bipartisan supported bill that moved um, through the process and um, was, you know, just one of those that kind of worked out well. There was a commission that started two years ago to hear um, issues in the the mental health area. And so some of that pertains to access and um, coverage and, um, you know, how our um small towns and big cities handle those populations, how our law enforcement handles um, those populations. And so a number of recommendations that came out of that mental health commission were what um, compiled the Mental Health Parity Act. And so now, uh, and especially I think in light of everything that's happened over the last two years, I think, you know, mental health issues are, um, from what we're seeing and learning, on the rise and, um, and more prevalent. And so more communities are having to find ways to deal with them. And so um, this bill allows, you know, your coverage with insurance to be. Um, as we currently, you know, are treating mental health issues, not mental health issues, we're currently treating medical issues. Now we can treat mental health issues the same way. And so that creates that parity there. It also um, puts into place, you know, ways in which um, law enforcement will handle people that come in, um, where people will be taken if, if they're picked up somewhere, you know, they, they may not need to go to a jail and they may not need to go to an emergency room, but help them figure out where the right place is for them to go. And so um, it's, it's the a big step in um, you know moving in the right direction to help um, help mental health um, patients throughout our state. Well, and this has become, as you mentioned, with with the last two years with COVID, um, such a, a much more focused on area. I guess is the right way to say it. It's always been an area, yes. perhaps not brought to light in the way it is now. So, and I know exactly. law enforcement. What a difficult thing to deal with in, in light of everything else that's going on and that they're they're dealing with as, as first responders. Yep. Um, okay, so we talked a little bit about legislative session, um, a look back, the things that have come out that really are, are business associated and then that will be changing uh, the face of Georgia and certainly in, in Metro Atlanta where we are. So let's talk about primary elections, right? Let's look forward a little bit. Campaigns have started. I know April 4th, those incumbents were not able to fundraise until after that was session ended. So that obviously looks different as well. So this year's session is leading really directly into this, uh, the 2022 primary election with all the state offices up for a vote on May 24th. 
Um, and we encourage everyone to vote. I think it's very important that we all exercise our right to vote. Um, we don't tell people which side to vote on because that's not, uh, you know, business takes all folks. Um, but I'm curious what your predictions and insights uh, are and how you think this election season will go. And, and you know, we you mentioned the district maps, right? The redistricting. Mm-hmm. So that's as you mentioned, going to look a little different. So all things primary, Lauren, fill yes. us in. <laughs> well, yeah. So starting with the new maps, it, it is different for um, for lawmakers who are incumbents because um, almost all of their districts did change. And so they do have a new constituency that they're probably out there meeting or, you know, going door to door canvassing those neighborhoods. And so, um, so that's part of it also. And this has been a trend over the last couple of years, because in Georgia, our state house and Senate members have to run for office every two years. Um, but almost everybody has, um, a primary challenger and a lot of them have a general challenger. And one of the things that I thought was interesting from this year after the maps have been changed is that more of your, um, I would say, more uh, contentious races or races that may be more up for grabs are going to be in the primaries rather than the generals because the maps were drawn as so to more so, you know, somewhat be a Democratic district or a Republican district. Those fights won't so much be for the House and Senate seats in November, but for folks who are going to be challenged in May, May 24th, when um, the primary day is just four weeks from yesterday, actually. Um, and so, you know, a number of folks who do have primary challengers are um, certainly, you know, worried about that because a lot of them are in new districts and they may not know who their opponents are. And as you said, the opponents can raise money during the legislative session, but incumbents are not allowed to. And so they kind of miss out on those three months of campaigning when typically you would want to be out and about and, and being seen in your district. So that's different. Um also, as you mentioned, all statewides are up for um, re-election, and all of them are challenged to a number of the statewide offices also have primaries. Um, and so, you know, a number of them have like nine candidates right. in it or, or something, for example. And so I think a lot of, you know, the decisions are going to be uh, at, at this primary level, really doing your research on who some of these candidates are and going to those folks' website and, you know, figuring out who you're going to vote for. Um And so, you know, I think that I know that there are 41 open seats. So regardless of who wins or loses, there's going to be a bunch of new people joining the legislature next year. That's got to be a record. That's insane. It is. It is a big record. We had a lot of um, of folks retiring this year. I saw that, yes. And so, um, so yeah, so there'll be lots of new faces and lot, not lots of new, you know, ideas and, and people who are running for whatever reason, you know, coming down and, and trying to make an impact. So, um, so there'll certainly be an eventful campaign season, uh, from now through November, because, um, you know, as I said, you've got a lot of high profile candidates running in the primaries, um, as well as the general. And so I think, it's hard to believe because so much money was poured into Georgia in the last election cycle more than ever before. I think you're going to see that again, even more money is going to be poured into Georgia. And so, you know, just get ready to watch the ads and get a lot of mail pieces. Butter or uh, <laughs> buckle up. This is a this is going to be an interesting ride over the next few months. You know, this retirement thing uh, really is is 
real, the generational, you know, lots of baby boomers who are retiring, but also because of what we've seen with COVID, I think a lot of people are just like, you know what, it's, it's time. I'm going to go ahead and step down. And so I guess from a, a standpoint of the legislature is no different from any other business and what we're seeing right, right now out there. Absolutely. I think a lot of the ones who are retiring have been down there for 20 plus right. years, you know? Um, and so uh, I think, you know, just after a while, you feel like maybe you've you've done what you needed or what you came to do, and you're ready to go home and relax a little. Maybe I respect that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's awesome. But wow, 41 open seats. There's also you know something to be said for institutional knowledge. So absolutely, it's going to be an interesting time. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, and so. I, I hesitate to even ask this, but you know, the crystal ball I'm sure is, is maybe not working as well right now, having just come out of everything, but along with new elected officials, uh, we are probably looking towards many new pieces of legislation that'll be, be introduced. Um, are there any priorities that are already being discussed? I know when we talked about the mental health parity act, you referenced the fact rightfully so of the, um, the task force that looked into that for, for mm-hmm. a good long time. Are there are there any of those that are showing right now as far as uh, what we believe are going to be coming up next session? Yeah, so a couple things, not specifically to what the legislation may look like, but there are certain topics that have yes. bubbled up this past session, and uh, and that happens often. And it may not be ripe for passing a, a bill or changing the law on it because the legislature may feel they need to do more research and study of the issues. And so one of those that was a big one this year was electric vehicles and just everything related related to electric vehicles, um, whether that be the manufacturing of electric vehicles with the Rivian announcement here in Georgia, the workforce training for people to work at the, you know, Rivian plant and others, um, you know, trainers and workers who are trained to, um, work on those cars that may go in for service, um, uh, charging stations where they're at within our huge, state. Right? Yes, yeah. yes. And so, um, you know, there's a there's a lot of look and consideration as to how many charging stations do we currently have in our state? Where are they located? I know the the um, federal DOT is asking states to submit plans to basically map out where they need charging stations. And so there'll be some grant money that Georgia will be going after for that use. And um, so electric vehicles, so there is going to be a House and Senate study committee on um, electric vehicles and really all that entails. I mean, I know Ford's um, had a lot of recent announcements lately. And yes. so there's just so much going on in that area. And so I think that there will be legislation to come over the next probably few years uh, related to that. Also, uh, another topic that was big this year in um it was got a lot of attention and end up there's a house study committee on it is on affordable housing. And so a lot of discussion as our metropolitan area does grow and um, you know, people are moving here, you know, where can they live and work and afford housing as the housing market, you know, has, is really going well here, but um, obviously prices some families out of the, the marketplace of where they may work and not be able to live right there. And so there's a lot of discussion about that and how to solve those problems. And so I think you'll see there was legislation introduced this year that didn't pass, but there's definitely going to be a study committee. So I think you'll see more to come on that as well. Yeah, those study committees are usually a very good precursor to what what we can expect to see in the the coming months. So I certainly appreciate that and, and the insight. 
Um, and I neglected to say, I should have, when we were talking about retirement and uh, generational changes, um, on the last day of session, if I'm not mistaken, um, it was lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, not just one who honored uh, Dean of the House, uh, Columbus Representative Calvin Smyre. Uh, yes. And I know he had been nominated by President Biden to serve as the U.S. ambassador to the Dominican Republic. I mean, what an incredible human being. Can you tell us a little bit about how his legacy is going to be honored? Yes. So, um, yes, Dean Calvin Smyre, as we call him, the dean of the House, because he is the longest serving member um, in the House, is is just leaving such a legacy behind. And he's one of those members that, you know, when the Democrats were in control years ago, he was obviously very well thought of and and, in leadership roles within um, those times. And then also when the Republicans took over, I think he's just someone who has had so much respect and um you know, someone with such institutional knowledge, as we were talking about before, that uh, leaders of both parties have always looked to him for guidance and, and mentorship. And he's really led on so many tough issues. And one of the ones I can think of that you and I worked on with the Regional Business Coalition was the um, transportation funding and and the way that we fund transportation now in the state. And so he was instrumental in helping that legislation get passed on House Bill 170, along with so many other things that, you know, are are pre-me even. Um, But, you know, that was one of the ones that I got to know him through that process and really see the way that he was able to work with his party as well as um, with the the Republicans and the Speaker of the House at that time to really, you know, be a liaison for both sides and help see that legislation in particular get bipartisan support. So he's going to be greatly missed. I believe that they are going to hang a portrait of him in the Capitol to honor him. Yes. And um, as you said, there were... um, there was a big uh, celebration in in his honor at the College Football Hall of Fame and, uh, you know, great attendance from uh, members of both parties and the House and the Senate, like you said, not just the House, but the Senate also, um, you know, really thinks a lot of, of Representative Smyrie. So he will be greatly missed. Um, and, you know, we hope that he'll come back and see us. And yeah. I, I'm sure that a lot of Georgians will probably now want to be traveling to the Dominican Republic and go pay him a visit as well. That's phenomenal. I think that's a, a great testament to Georgia and the level of leadership that they've had as well. So always a great thing. All right. So let's talk about business members of the chamber, my organization. Um, you're a professional who likes to uh, focus on politics and has since you were a little kid. So I figure you're a good expert to ask. How can our business members have their voices heard best um, at the Capitol? And I know that, you know, we as the chamber are the voice of business. And I think collectively, we do a very good job of that. But what method should they uh, use to, to be able to interact with House and Senate members when they have a, a significant issue that they want addressed? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times people think this is a complicated answer. There's some (laughs) special science to it, but really it it boils down to relationships and politics and just like many, you know, areas of business are all about those relationships, right? And so you want to do business with somebody you know and trust. And, um, you know, we have great lawmakers at the, the state capitol who are so more than willing to re- to hear from or talk to any constituent of theirs. But it's always surprising how few will reach out to them. You know, there are certain ones that are going to always reach out, but a lot of people, you know, feel like they, they shouldn't bother them or maybe they don't have time or, you know, um, 
who knows what the reason is, but my, you know, what I would say to encourage everybody is get to know your state representative, your state senator personally, because they are so close to the people. You know, it's funny to me sometimes when people think, you know, that their state representatives in D.C. I'm like, no, they're actually downtown in Atlanta <laughs> and you can go visit them and um, you can get their cell phone and you can call them. And so I think the biggest the biggest way to build that relationship is is to get to know them when you don't have an issue that you're asking for help on and, you know, build that relationship over time. So then when there is something that you want to engage on or let them know how you feel on, you can pick up the phone and call them or text them and they're going to respond back to you because they know who you are and, you know, um, there's that level of, of trust and understanding there. That makes absolute sense. It's like any relationship. So, <laughs> and in my experience working with our um our legislative delegation, that certainly is the case. They, they do want to hear from their folks and, and understand better. Um, It's hard to be uh, an expert in every single area. And so hearing from people who are experts in those areas are incredibly important. So I, I agree. I think that's, that's wise counsel, Lauren. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Well, let's wrap up the show and let's uh, Lauren, if you can tell our listeners how they can find you. What's the best way if they want to reach out to you or to Freyluk Bozeman? Great. Well, um, we have a new website, so you can go to www.freylick, that's F-R-A-L-I-C-K, Bozeman, B-O-Z-E-M-A-N.com, or you can email me at lauren at freylickbozeman.com, or you can call me at 404-520-2254. And um, we're on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter as well. So look us up on there. You are a brave woman giving out your cell phone number. Let me tell you, I appreciate very much uh, you taking the time to be with us today. I've always appreciated uh, and enjoyed working with you. Certainly still enjoy working with you with the Regional Business Coalition and look forward to many bright years of working with you with Freilich Bozeman as well. Lauren, thank you for being here with us. Thank you, Callie. I want to thank my guest, Lauren Freilich, for joining me today and also thank our listeners for joining us on the GNFCC 400 Insider presented by the Greater North Fulton Chamber. To listen to this show again or to hear any of our previous episodes, visit GNFCC400insider.com or any of your favorite podcast platforms. To find out more about our government affairs initiatives and to learn more about the Greater North Fulton Chamber events and programs, you can always visit GNFCC.com. Until next time, I'm Callie Boatwright, and this has been the GNFCC 400 Insider on Business Radio X. (laughs) 